Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called but of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. Can you stress, this is very scientific, can you stress that fellow's nervous system? Can you take him to a zone where his nervous system is shot and it's kind of going, what's going on here? I think that's the piece. And I don't know if Dublin have that. I don't think you can, with these, the quality of these two counties, can you put it down to one player or the other? I don't think you can. Hello and welcome to this week's Throw-In with Dublin legend Philly McMahon. I'm Sinead Kassan and I'm also joined by the Irish Independence Conor McKeown. It's not the All-Ireland final, but it certainly feels like the next best thing. Dublin against Kerry is one of the most storied rivalries in Irish sport. And on today's show, Philly is going to take us inside the mindset of each team going into Sunday's semi-final. Philly, just in broad terms first, considering where both Dublin and Kerry are at, is this game more than just about this season? Like, could it define the two counties for the next few years? Yes, Put it this way, right? When I first got on the Dublin team, like I just wanted to play for the Dublin team. It wasn't about kind of winning a certain amount of all Ireland or anything like that. But when we won the first, we had a, an ambition to keep on wanting a bit of that. And I was very lucky to be a part of a team that bridged the gap of eight all Ireland's to the next most successful team in the country or the top successful team in the country in terms of accolades, which is Kerry on 37. Um, and, and Dublin are on 30 at the minute. So so for me, um, that I would like to think is still left in that change room. That there's still we're playing against a team that um, have 37 All Irelands, and and we have 30. So there's no reason to be complacent around that. Um, and I just think that whichever team wins this game, will have a really tough final, but will have a really good chance of winning an All Ireland this year. So what implications happen because of that is Dublin possibly um, will kick on, I think, strange enough, because the, the questions around the strength of the squad will be answered to all Ireland in three years under a new management team. Jim Gavin done that in his first three years as well. So all those, as much as the squad will need to be strengthened, it will answer the questions around that. If there's any hesitancy in the team and the squad around, are we really at that level where we can go and win another all Ireland? That'll be answered. So the critics will be answered in terms of that from a Dublin point of view. So they might kick on. It possibly will be hard to be stopped. Uh, Kerry, on the other hand, have a manager in his first year, which always benefits the energy of the group. But if they go on and beat Dublin, 
I think Dublin really, in the grand scheme of things, are probably the only threat that Kerry have in the next couple of years. Right? So, who else is there? Really, really, who else is there? Armaz just had a really good season. Derry has a really good season. Tyrone, a really bad season. Donegal, and they'll be back next year, by the way. And same with Donegal. Mayo in a transition. Galway are starting. But they need two or three years of consistently uh, playing in Division 1. Dublin, obviously, not in Division 1 next year, but they'll be playing them in Division 1. Galway's the Armaz, and, and that will bring them on even further. But there's, we've seen teams in, in recent years do well in the championship, maybe in the province, but then after the second year, do okay, third year drop off, right? So where is the real challenge for Dublin and Kerry? So I'm not sure there's a big one there, as there was in years gone by. So if one of these teams get the win, then they're 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 in pole position for the next couple of seasons, I'd say, I would say. Yeah. Considering where they've come from um earlier this year, Connor, um, you know, relegated to division two next year. Like here they are, Dublin, like two wins away from winning back Sam. It could be some game of rope a dope by the dubs. Yeah, well, you have to say, um, and not to be wise after the event, but I never got too excited by what was going on earlier in the year because I thought the nature of the way Dublin lost to Mayo last year, it was very obvious that you know they were having a bit of a lull, you know, that 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 was the end of the road for that run, that they just kind of ran out of energy. You just look at the way that they kind of you know, they couldn't get a shot off really against Mayo for half an hour of that game. So I thought they'd have to kind of come down to go back up again. And when you saw kind of the levels that they started the Leinster campaign at, it was very obvious that whatever work they did during the league was probably adverse to them getting the sort of performances and results that they wanted to. No more than Limerick. Like Limerick didn't win a game after four or five league games this year. And here we are, all Ireland final. So... I did think that Dublin would be back here. I think everybody expected that this game on Sunday would happen, that it would be Dublin and Kerry, that this would be the... And, you know, it, it very rarely happens that two teams chart the expected routes to this game. But the fact that they're here means that really the ideas that we had about them being the top two teams in the country, number one or number two, were correct. Now, I'd have my suspicions that they're quite... that they're much further ahead than everybody else, that this is the de facto All-Ireland final. I know what Philly's saying. I think over the next 10 years, Dublin and Kerry will share the majority of the All-Irelands between them. I still think a few of those teams we mentioned will kind of rise up a bit like Tyrone did, win an All-Ireland and maybe go back. They mightn't just have the kind of structures that Kerry and Dublin have to be able to sustain it for that long. Um, so, no, like I kind of saw Dublin being back here. And I think, like, in as much as this is hugely important for Kerry, I think it's more important for Kerry in a way, like, if you want to take it in a bigger sense, because... You know, it's 2009 since Kerry beat Dublin. They won five All-Ireland minor titles in a row. David Clifford, these lads, they've never won an All-Ireland title. Sean O'Shea, they have to do it. They have to beat Dublin. And I think once they do, a bit like Dublin in 2011, you know, once you do it, you've done it, you know, and it ceases to become a very big factor. That's not to say that they'll win the next seven or eight times they play against Dublin. But once they've kind of gotten over that hurdle, once they've broken the back of that, they'll do it more regularly. Um, But from the same point of view, if you look at Dublin, yeah, they're well set up for the next few years. Fellas like Kieran Kilkenny and Khan and Fenton driving it on. But, you know, like Dean Rock and Mick Fitzsimons and James McCarthy, they're still very important players to that team. And as yet, that Dublin bench, there's definitely potential to turn it into a really serious bench. But just at the moment, it's probably not that developed yet. So if Dublin can kind of, if Dublin can still win one while that bench isn't fully developed, while they still have those really older players, um, 
you know, it'll be harder to do without them is probably what I'm saying. So, yeah, like, like the, the, the game is just hugely important for both of those counties at the weekend because I think if Dublin lose, there might be a bit more of a change over the next couple of years that will put them back into a lull. And if Kerry lose, well, I'm not sure what to do in that situation because, you know, they have maybe the most talented forward they've ever had. They've got the guts of five All-Ireland minor winning teams that they've brought through this team, some of whom have kind of come and gone, those players, you know, without ever really cracking it. You know, they brought back Jack O'Connor. He has changed them defensively. Like, their defensive record this year is really, really impressive. They've gone after the one area where they've struggled in the past. Um, and if they can't kind of put it all together and beat Dublin at the weekend, it's hard to know what, where they go. And it's hard to know why it is that they can't just get over the line against Dublin. So we know, like, the game is equally important to both counties, Philly. But surely all the pressure, most of the pressure has to be on Kerry. I mean, not beating Dublin since that day, 3rd of August at 2009. I know Brian Fenton came out after the start of the championship and said they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder. But come on, it's not nothing like the chip on the shoulder that is on Kerry going into this game. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree that the, the pressure is definitely on Kerry as much as the Kerry Q whoers will be saying in the media that it's, the pressure's on Dublin and Dublin are the favourites and Dublin... The, 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 the facts don't lie. Um, Kerry this season are ahead of Dublin. They're the favourites, okay? You can't, you can't. There's no getting away from that. Um, if you look at the facts, if you look at the league campaign, the league champions, um, they've had a better... You could say a better challenge in the in the All Ireland quarter final, um, and you add on top of that is that it's, I suppose traditionally there's a huge amount of pressure on Kerry footballers because they're expected to win, um, and you know they've they've got close over the last couple of years under Pia Keane. Now you have Jack O'Connor coming in. There's a bit more pressure on that as well. Is this guy the man that can get Kerry back over the line? And um, yeah, there's just there's so many variables that feed into it. Whether them players are listening to that or around that, or I don't know, but there, there will be a sense of that. And look, at, at the end of the day, pressure is earned, isn't it? Like, you know, so you, you must have done something to get that. So um, how, they, how they express that on the pitch is going to be key, you know. I just think what's going to be crucial, one of the key things of this game is going to be broken down into, it's it says... I might sound very, very cliche, or, or but goals are going to win games in this game. Why? You just go back. I can't really read into when I was looking at the, when I was researching Kerry throughout the whole year for this this uh, podcast. I was kind of saying to myself, um, kind of really look at months, not not really. Can I look at the All Ireland quarterfinal? Mm, I don't think. I still don't think Mayo were even a, a challenge in that game. But I looked at the league campaign, and they only conceded two goals. Right, so how would that team react if they conceded a goal early or two goals? Maybe would they have the energy to get those points back if Dublin didn't concede any goals? Right, um, they're only scoring in the league. They, now there's other games, obviously, but on average they're scoring 13 points a game. So if you're a Dublin, the Dublin defence, you're saying, can we keep them scoreless, like goalless, and can we keep them to below below? Uh, let's say six or seven scores a half. Let's keep them below 12 scores in the whole game. Can we, and then throw that back to the forwards, can we get more than 13 scores with the the, 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 the offensive power that we have? 100%. But goals are going to be crucial because all the games that they have scored one goal or less, they've struggled a little bit to get over the line. The two draws and the loss, 
so and there is obviously as I said people are going to go no well, there's other games that they didn't and they they still won the game but what I'm saying is if you look at the, the eight games they had in the league you'll definitely see um, there's 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 an issue where if they don't score a massive amount of goal when they score two goals the game opens up right the game opens up when they score one goal or the opposition hasn't scored any goals it's a struggle so goals are going to win games for, for, for this team uh, this, the, the team that gets thrilled uh, on Sunday I feel just looking at the bigger picture still, though, before we go into that smaller picture, Connor, like, you know, sp- you spoke there about Jack O'Connor. I mean, these are the games that he was also brought in for. Like, who's shown to be more tactically astute, you know, so far, like Desi Farr or Jack O'Connor? And does this game require something we haven't seen before? It, well, it's, it's one of those games where if you've been preparing something, this is when it's going to roll out. There was nothing that happened prior to this game that Desi Farr would want to show his hand for. There's nothing prior to this game that Jack O'Connor would want to show his hand for. Um, but it's hard to know exactly what that is, whether it's a kind of a matchup that somebody expects. Even looking at the benches, there's no real wild card players that you think are going to kind of fall into it. And, and I think sometimes we kind of expect that in, in anticipation. But really, I suppose the mark of these two teams is that they're you know, when they're at their full strength doing the things that they do well, that's when they're at their best. And I think there's such a, maybe, much as such a tight margin between them, or that's our interpretation of it anyway. I think both managers would be a little bit reluctant to try something that, because, you're, you know, you're naturally detracting away from what you do well. I fully think that Desi Farrell thinks that everything, if, if, if Dublin go out and do the things that they want to do and they do it to a high level, they're good enough to beat Kerry. And I fully believe that Jack O'Connor thinks the opposite. Uh, and I think that's what's going to happen. But like, like you know, the big thing for Dublin, talk, like Philly talked about go- the goals there. Kerry conceded two goals in 13 games going back to the McGrath Cup. And one of those was a bullshit penalty against uh, Monaghan. And the other one was just a bizarre goal against Tyrone that Derek Hanavan caught a kick out and, and put it all the way into Darren McCurry. So, you know, that had been a big question about this Kerry team. Like go back to the five in a row replay game um, when... Mannion and Khan and uh, Kieran Kenny all scored four or five points in play and they were on Jason Foley and they were on Tom O'Sullivan, those guys. And the analysis afterwards were, Kerry just don't have the market backs. That's the area they're deficient. Now, we're on three years and it's the same marking backs, but they have obviously tightened up on what they do. And part of that is they put the opposition on the back foot. Tom O'Sullivan, like Tom O'Sullivan, the hammer, the hammer thing, what he did to Killian O'Connor the last day, Killian O'Connor couldn't get near him and he was bombing up the pitch scoring three points from play. I wonder if they're going to try the same thing with Dean Rock this weekend. Um, and Foley is a very good fullback in the old sense in that he has very good instincts. He knows when to go for a ball and he knows when to hang back. But what makes it easier for him is that when Ty Maury plays so near, he doesn't really have to make that decision. He can go for the ball every time because if he breaks it, Morley's going to be there in front of him. So, you know, they're the kind of, that's the strength that Jack O'Connor has put in his team this year. And if you build a solid defence, whether that's in a tactical way or through coaching your defenders, Kerry will always have the firepower, regardless of how defensive your defensive setup are. You know, they did it in 2014 against uh, Donegal in the All-Ireland final when they kept six backs there at all time and just backed themselves to score slightly more than the opposition. So, like, I think that's where Jack O'Connor sees this winning of the game for Kerry. You know, that if their backs can t- continue to play that way, they have enough quality up front that they're going to score more than Dublin. And I think the way Daisy Farrell sees this game going, it's not going to be a parachuting on O'Donnell in, or it's not going to be anything else. That If everybody's there, particularly Conor Callan and the forward line, have something to revolve around and move off 
and he will win that hard ball regardless of how many sweepers or who's marking him. I think that's where Dublin see they're going to win the game. And and what will come down to is which team gets closer to their, their ideal version of how they want the game to pan out. Philly, yeah, what do you make of the Kerry defence uh, so far this year or will just Sunday be the true test of it? It's hard, it's hard to argue or it's hard to give a counter-argument to the only conceding two goals in the whole season. Like, I would like to sit here and I think lazy punditry will be, you know, when you're asked that question, oh, yeah, you can get out the Kerry full back line or you get a, get, a, get after the Dublin full back line. But they've only conceded two goals this year, right? Um, however, when I was watching them, there's a couple of things that I think you can expose. And, and uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. So a mix of a running and kicking game can uh, effectively um, have an impact on the, the carry full back line, particularly, right? I'll tell you why. If you watch, um, I think it was Aidan O'Shea's score with the outside of his foot. Was it a league final or was it the quarter final? I'm not sure. It was one of the games. Aidan O'Shea took a, uh, on the 45 metre line, right? Um, there's a one-on-one inside and Morley is at the top, like kind of between uh, the 21 metre line and the day. He's sweeping, yeah? And out, out around, Kerry are getting players behind the ball. So the, the hardest way of scoring against Kerry is when they get players behind the ball, right? Because they're getting a numerical advantage. So they've won one inside, they've a sweeper there. And then there's about, uh, I think it's five on three. Okay. Now, if O'Shea steps in and attacks the goal, it's a, it's a, it's a 3v2. The 5v3 five, the five is there's two outside men out here and there's one over here, right? But if you watch that score that O'Shea hits, if he attacks that space, what happens is it's, a, it's, a, it's an overlap. You have the 3v2. But what, happen, what will happen is Morley will drift out towards you and then you've got a ball inside one-on-one. So Dublin must um, keep the, the carry defensive structure honest by running them around, by attacking into space, by drawing them back out so that when they filter the ball back out, there's a ball, there's a ball inside. Morley, I don't think, understands how to play sweeper or he's actually, that's what he's being told to do. He's very tunnel vision. He looks straight out. If you look at the ball that went in behind him for O'Connor, I think it was, or O'Loughlin, I, I, was O'Connor in the league or, or McLaughlin in the league? It might be McLaughlin in the league, but there was a ball in behind. It was a, um, a reverse pass so um, he, he's just tunnel vision. He's just looking ahead. His job is to look behind. His job is to look side on. What's in front of what's behind me? And he's just tunnel vision into what's in front of me. So he doesn't know what's going on behind. Even when the ball goes in behind him, um, I don't think he's the quickest to get over to double up. Right? So the sweeper, I don't think they play it as effectively as they could. Right? He's very central. He is very forward, linear, linear visually. Um, and I also think the Dublin team can attack those defences. The other thing that Kerry do when they get into the defensive structure is that they're very stagnant. So they get there and there's an automatic switch where you kind of just get a little bit lazy and you kind of just stop and you jog and you stop and you jog. Um, and that's where I think teams can get after. So a ball goes in, let's say, into the full forward line. If we can get if Dublin can get runners off that, um, like Kerry did for Clifford's goal, right uh, against Mayo, 
I think uh, we can expose the the um, the, the carry defence. Um, so they're, they're the key things. Getting that ball in quick, I think will 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 basically make them drop back off. And then when they drop back off, if we attack them, they will essentially come back out, which means the balls are going in. So swapping between those running and kicking games for me, exposing the sweeper, um, I think they're the key areas to get after the carry defence. Yeah, Philly, like if you were playing now on Sunday, like what would your target be as a defender? If it was David Clifford, let's look at David Clifford specifically. How would you mark him out of it? Well, the, the key thing with David Clifford is that he's had all a lot of people marking him, right? So he's had people that were, let's say, physical, fast, toy. They've all marked him, right? So it'd be naive for me to sit here and say, oh, I have all the answers because I don't. But I can give you some suggestions because I've never marked him, but I, I would have loved to try these things on him. The fourth thing is that he, um, what, what does he do off the ball? What's his movement off the ball? Okay. So if he's in deep, and the, the ball, this transition from carry defence to attack is slow. He will drift out a tiny bit or else if he's one-on-one inside, he'll stay deep. But if, let's say, there's another carry defence forward in there, he'll drift out a little bit. As soon as they cross a certain point and maybe past the 45 halfway line, he'll then move. He'll look for separation off the defender and he'll link the play. Uh, at times, if he gets the ball inside, there's a couple of things he'll do. Generally, he'll turn inside. He does turn outside, but most of his scores come from turning inside. So you must make sure that you keep on the outside. But he's that good, he's that balanced that he's kick, he'll kick from the outside as well. But if you're cl- clutching at straws, don't let him turn inside with that, specifically that left foot, okay? Now, what you need to do is, as a team, you need to make sure the ball going in is slow, which we struggled with. Dublin struggled with against Cork. The first couple of scores, the first 20 minutes, Hurley gets us two scores by direct ball in. Dublin need to be better at that, right? You need to have two half-backs, wing-backs that get in and tuck in and support you. And you possibly, if they're not there, you need to have your sweeper, if that allows that. Now, remember, um, a sweeper generally comes from a six, right? Morley is a sweeper because probably a corner forward is drifting out a little bit and he's sitting in. But generally, from a Dublin point of view, it could be from a six. So the difficulty you have then is Sean O'Shea is free. So then you must get someone to pick up him. So that's the dynamics of having a really good playmaker at 11 because the sweeper then has to decide, do I mark or do I support uh, the main target man, which is Clifford inside? High ball in. He will win high ball in, but he's not really... It's, that's not his forte. It's get out in front, let the ball bounce in front of me. And the other thing is, we're saying goals win this, goals win this game. I think Clifford... Um, the one key thing I can say that he has a habit of is when you think there's no goal on, there's a goal on, right? Davey Bourne in the league last year marked him. He done brilliantly. Got the ball coming down the Cusick side, turns outside of Davey Bourne. Davey Bourne stands him up. Then he slips. He senses that he slipped. He's gone straight through on goal, right? He's done that numerous numerous occasions, right? Um, and Generally, what happens is he's selective in his runs. He's very good and he's very selective in his runs. You will see if the ball goes, if he comes out deep, half forward line, and the ball goes in behind him, he'll stand there with his hands on his hips at some some place. And then there's some players, he'll make you think you're not doing that, and then he'll just go. Yeah. Look, I know they, they love talking about people having a good chat over on Love Island, but what's your chat like with David Clifford's Philly? I'd like, I, like, I mean, I, I'd like to challenge him on his... On his uh, psychological uh, 
element of the game. I would. I, I think. I think that's an what area. What would you say? People, well, I want to. Like, what would I say? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Generally, there's some of the things I would have said. The players on the on the day would have just came on the day. I wouldn't have preempted it. I just. Can I say what's he doing? What's he saying? What's he like? Like for me, I remember listening to an interview he done last year, or this year, maybe I don't know specifics around the date or anything. But I remember him saying something that stuck out in my head, and he said, uh, "To execute the skills for skill execution, you have to be in a calm state of mind." That's what he said. Now, okay, so there's something in that that I would get after. So if it's variables or if it's something physically, when, when let's say when someone conf, uh, you, you, someone confronts you, you get adrenaline, you get uh, you get these kind of jitters, and you're kind of like, oh, you're thinking of something else. Okay, can you stress? This is very scientific. Can you stress <laughs> that fellow's nervous system? Can you take him to his own where his nervous system is shot and it's kind of going, what's going on here? I think that's the piece, and I don't know if Dublin have that. I don't think I don't, I'm not sure if Dublin will have that player. I don't. If it was me picking, I don't know who's, who Desi's going to put on. I would probably put Nick Fitz on him. Nick Fitz is just really good tight marker. I'm not sure he he uh, he is in the space of getting into a, a psychological battle with with his marker. Um, but I do think, yeah, I, I do think uh, there's an area there that even if there's any merit on saying that. He has to be calm to execute his skills because he's one of the most skillful players in the game. Stress that. Absolutely stress it. And the last thing I'd say on him is, like, Dublin must not leave him one-on-one. If you look at O'Hara in the league final, uh, O'Hara, he, the, game, the, the ball, we, the, the, the point we talk about where he gets it and he's on the Cusick side, again, as we're saying, the, the, the kind of the run he makes a lot he, he's calling in O'Hara is stepping off him a little bit and O'Shea is the sweeper and it takes 12 seconds Clifford's on the ball for 12 seconds and O'Shea doesn't really get across to get in behind O'Hara to actually press him so that there's no point option but that if he takes O'Hara on that O'Shea is there to protect him to slow him down so O'Hara gets in to double up so, to, so, so on, on Sunday if Mick Fitz is on him he needs to be close enough to put his hand in his face, up in the air, out of his vision, so that he can't kick a point as easy. But he, he also needs to know that I have cover in behind me. So whoever that sweeper is, if it's Johnny Cooper, go at me, go on, go at me. But you're going to have to beat Johnny Cooper as well behind me. So the times he gets goals, he doesn't. Uh, he probably doesn't have that double up or maybe the sweeper is not effective. Well, I'm glad you are not going to be there tormenting our David Clifford on Sunday, Philly, I have to say. So, Connor, are we looking like Mick Fitz is the man to mark him, all right? Yeah, I think he is. Um, and, like, if you go back to the, say, the drawn game in 2019, Johnny Cooper um, marked him in that first game. And it was a strange choice. I know Johnny is a very good technical defender. But if you look what Clifford did that day, it was very interesting that when the ball came in, he got his feet planted very early, like, quicker than he usually would when his, when the ball is coming in. And I think he just took advantage of the, f- the fact that physically he was a bigger man than Johnny Cooper. Because once he got his feet planted um, and he got his body in the right position, Johnny Cooper actually just had to foul him. And 
Now, he still scored was four points from playing the replay, but I think Mick Fitzsimons, just being a physical match for him, because he's, they're similar physiques, I think that makes a big difference. I don't think that that option is available to Clifford, that if Kerry go long, he can just plant his feet and he's automatically going to win the ball or he's going to win a free. So I think that works. Um, it's a huge one. Like, if, if you take it, that Mick Fitzsimons has the least, like the most thankless job in Gaelic football since 2010. Always marking the opposition's sort of best player or between himself and Philly for a few years there. But even now, Mick Fitz is 32, 33 years of age, and this is still kind of coming back to him. Um, but he has the right temperament for it, you know. He's a very calm individual. He comes across, he understands the technique of defending. I know that when I know that when Tomas Quinn was retiring from intercounty football, that uh Mick Fitz pleaded with him to stay on for another year because he, he loved having him on training to recreate the runs that the different kind of forwards would make. So, like, he's a student of this type of thing. And, like, he won't get into a flap, you know. If he concedes a couple of early scores to Clifford, you know, that that's written into the Dublin manifesto this weekend. They understand that Clifford's going to get a chance. Like, if you kept him to three points from play or something like that, that's a massive result, I think. Um, I, But I do think the Kerry are going to bank on... Like every team now, even when it's Dublin and Kerry, they always play with a sweeper. They call it a plus one, but it is a sweeper. Um, and I do think Kerry will probably bank on Dublin position and their sweeper in such a way that he is very close by to make fits to make sure he helps out. And I think they'll probably bank on having more space for their other forwards and that Ganey or Sean O'Shea um, or Killian Spallan if he comes off the bench or Paddy Clifford who are going to get more scores. I think that's all kind of built into it. Like we do focus a lot on Clifford and Colin O'Callum because they are so good. But you have to remember that, you know, if you're to draw up a list of the 20 best forwards in the game at the moment, there's a good seven or eight of them playing this weekend. Um, and they're not all Colin. And, and so, so you know, I, I think you know, there are sometimes you say, well, why didn't they do this with your man? Why didn't they do this with your man when, when, it's, a, when it's a Clifford or a Colin? But you have to remember that, you know, if, if you spend your entire game plan, your entire time focusing for that one player, um, there's a lot, not lot you could miss. But against that, and I know this is kind of a, uh, a correction to what I just said, no more than we all expected this game to happen back in January. Desi Farrell and Jack O'Connor knew this game was happening back in January. So there is literally no surprises that either of these managers can pull on each other this weekend. Um, and I would say these two teams have been preparing for one another all the way through. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Khan there. Obviously, we don't know what the story with him is. There's definitely a growing consensus that if uh, Khan plays Dublin win, no Khan um, and Kerry win. What are you hearing, Philly? Are you hearing anything from the WhatsApp groups about Khan? Uh, I think he's gone to the haulers. <laughs> oh, no, wait, they're not, they're not playing. No, I'm only joking. Um, look, you've, you'll, you'll hear loads of different things. I'll never ask the players what's going on because uh, of the, the relationships I have with a lot of the lads. So, I wouldn't get them. I wouldn't make them feel uncomfortable around that. Um, look, if he plays, it's it's going to be a massive uh, bonus for Dublin. And if he doesn't play, it'll be a massive benefit to Kerry. However, I'm not sure. Only this is where the game is won and lost because I know there's people out there that have said if Clifford, Clifford plays and Con doesn't. There's there's a there's, there's it's probably inevitable what's going to happen with Kerry winning and, and Dublin losing I'm not sure right because I do think the game is won or lost in a lot of in this game particularly with these two teams this is this game is going to be fought in so many different ways what spoke about yeah yeah so so um, I'll, I'll go from Kerry point of view we spoke about how can we dominate Clifford 
right? Uh, Connor spoke about Johnny marking him. Johnny, when, when I studied that game back, because I was looking to mark him in the following game, uh, Clifford was very smart that he would make you think he wasn't doing that and he'd stand in the half-forward line just stopped. And then, as I said, when the ball got to a certain stage, if Johnny wasn't close enough to him, he'd then move off. And then Johnny was trying to get close to him after that, which was hard because the ball was already on its way. And then he was just basically fouling him that way. So you got to make sure the separation. I spoke about him being a quite tall fella, 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, you got to stop the separation from the get-go. you got to get a sweeper in with him. So that's Clifford. If you've got that right, that's a huge amount of scores that I would think they're possibly going to score nullified. However, the rest of the defenders need to be on the game because other players that they have are dangerous. O'Shea, Gini. There's, there's so many of them. There's so many of them. You've got to be on your game. If we, if we speak too much about Clifford, you'll forget about the rest and the rest will start doing more damage than he did. And you'll look back and go, Jesus, we missed the boat there. Like we, we, we didn't focus on what we should have been there. So, so that's crucial. Uh, they're going to go after Dublin's kickouts. So um, it might be a couple of long balls to transition fast so that they actually drop off a little bit. It might be that the, 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 the tempo of the game has to be fast. The efficiency of the scoring from Dublin has to be good. Um, but I do think when we when Dublin get to a, a part of the pitch where, where Kerry are structured, can we challenge them in terms of the long ball in, in not kind of high long ball in, but ball into in behind our sweeper so the sweeper drops off and then run at them. When they run at them, the sweeper comes out, then kick the ball in and just keep chopping and changing with that. You have different matchups, you know, is Barry fit enough to be Mark and Fenton? Um so, so there's loads of little things there that I think can be challenged. And I don't think you can, with these, the quality of these two counties, can you put it down to one player or the other? Yeah. I don't Con- think you can. Connor, what do you think? Do you think it could hang on Conor Callahan's fitness or what do you imagine the defining factor being on Sunday? Well, I mean, like all of these things, it'll be sort of, you know, to be a million and one different factors and the team gets over half a million kind of wins it. But it's it, like, it, it, fellas, when Connor's around, there's no doubt that the Dublin forward line moves are off him because he's such a strong ball winner. People talk about Khan's pace and his strength and his finishing and his kind of goal lust, but his ball winning capacity is outrageous. Like if you take some of the ones that skip down around his ankles and he comes out with it and the ones up in the air, if everyone remembers the one against Ross Common a few years ago when he came down from the upper Hogan stand and it looked like he'd broken his ankle and he managed to turn in the air and accelerate it. That's an amazing thing to be able to do. There's nobody, there's nobody in the country marking him that can cut that out. Like even with a sweeper, you looked at Armagh a couple of weeks ago, the way they were kicking those balls into Ryan O'Neill and they were just cutting out the, the accuracy of the kick in. So if your accuracy of the kick in is, is good enough and Khan is fit, I think, because as well as Paddy Small, I think, played the last day, without him, they, the Dublin forward line aren't really the same. They don't have the same cohesion, whatever it is. You see Paddy Smiley's off in the corner. He's doing his own thing, trying to get one-on-one with his man and create a scoring chance. And Costello's doing the same thing. You know, and Dean is very much there as kind of a finisher to come around on the loop or to kind of poach a goal. But when Con is there, the energy that's there, and, and he's one of those footballers, a bit like Jack McCaffrey or Tommy Walsh in Hurland back in the day, that when he gets the ball, he actually sends a bit of a current of electricity around Crow Park. Like, he's kind of at that level now. So will it be the difference? Um, if he plays, it'd be confident that Dublin have... If he plays and he's fit, that's the other thing, you know. Like, 
players play injured all the time. But if he plays and he's he's able to play at even 80% capacity, I think he adds so much to the Dublin attack that I'd nearly make them favourites. And if he doesn't, I would expect to carry the win. OK, well, I will get your predictions in a moment, but obviously the other semi-finals on Saturday between Galway and Derry. And look, what a position for those counties to be in. One win away from an All-Ireland final. Philly, we saw how ruthless Derry were in front of goal in their quarter-final. Uh, will they be allowed to play like that against Galway? No, no, they definitely won't. I think um, having the trial run of a team that they've played previous, look, it's set up perfectly for Galway. Perfect for Galway because they've played a team in Armagh who are very similar structurally as Derry will be. Um, they've had a really tough challenge. They've had to go through a little bit of adversity around that. They'll come tighter as a group because of it. And yeah, I think they're set up perfectly. They will be, I'm sure... The, the biggest issues with Galway is themselves going into this game. Really, I really do think if um, I just I just I can't see um, Derry being at the level of Galway have been from the the Armagh game. Um, I think there's a little bit more in in Galway in in, in relation to Comer and Walsh. I think they're still a little bit to Galway. I think Walsh um, didn't really. Play to his level of, of his potential the last day. He made a couple of errors with the crossfield balls he was hitting. Um, but I do think, I do think, you know, Derry as well are kind of like, why not? Why not go after this? What look, look at where Armagh caused Galway problems. Can we do that a little bit better? Can we be a bit more structured than Armagh? Can we learn? So they have, it's a perfect pre run out of sparring partner for both teams. So Galway are like, well, we've played this team that's playing a very similar structure. And Derry are going, well, they've played a team that are very similar to us. But what did they do wrong? And what did they do that we needed to get after? Like, so um, brilliant matchup. However, it's very hard to get up to the tempo. Uh, as the levels go up, as the season, as the, the the championship goes on, and that's where I see the space for Galway to 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 take advantage. Okay, lads. So who's playing in the All Ireland final? Philly, you go first. I'm gonna go Galway and Dublin. Connor, I'm gonna go Galway and Kerry. Good on you. All right. Okay. Well, that's it for this week's throw with Philly McMahon. Will and Michael will be here with Monday's throw to review those two semi-finals. You can listen, rate and follow on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. And we'll be back again next week for more talking points on the football championship. This is an Irish independent podcast.